Good morning, good morning, good morning. Do me a favor. Why don't you put your hands together for David Scott Gibson and the St. Paul Jazz Ensemble? <laughs> amen, amen. Good morning to all of those who are joining us as far as our um, virtual platforms are concerned, as well as those that are helping out in the sanctuary. We greet you with Jesus' joy. We're certainly delighted and elated. That the Lord has laid upon your heart to join us as far as worship is concerned. For those that are joining us as far as Facebook Live and YouTube or listening to us through the telephone, uh, we want to welcome you to St. Paul Online. If you're watching us on Facebook, share on your personal timeline without starting a separate watch party. We want to make sure we all stay in the same chat stream. and You can tag people that you want to invite to this post. If you're watching us on YouTube, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and then uh, text this link of the worship service to your personal network. We want to get our YouTube subscriptions up at least up to about 1,500 people uh, before the summer is over. And if you're in the chat room on our church website, click the invite button on your chat window to share this experience with others. And as you are doing that, I want to be curious about where you are watching us from. So if you're in Charlotte, just put in Charlotte. If you're watching us from some other part of the state or the country or the world, would you put that in your chat box as well? We want to see what our reach is as far as this gathering is concerned. Well, guess what? I'm going to ask that my brother, uh, Reverend James Burning, would come. He's going to lead us as far as our worship experience is concerned. Uh, and let's look forward to what the Lord is going to do as far as this moment is concerned. So do me a favor. Put your hands together. Let's give God the praise he so richly and rightfully deserves. Good morning, disciples. The psalmist said, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord who has made heaven and earth. In spite of what you feel like right now, we're going to lift up our eyes unto the hill. In spite of what happened on last week, we're going to lift up our eyes unto the hill. In spite of what they said about you, in spite of those that counted you out, we're going to lift up our eyes unto the hill, knowing that our help cometh from the Lord. You ought to give God praise this morning. You ought to stand up on your feet wherever you are, in your living room, in your dining room, in your bedroom, in your office, wherever you are. You ought to give God praise. You ought to give God glory, for he's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy to be praised. Let's celebrate him today. Don't worry about your cares. Don't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. The Lord is worthy of our praise. Amen and amen.
scripture this morning is coming out of Mark, the third chapter, beginning at verse 20 through 35. The gospel according to Mark, the third chapter, beginning at verse 20. And it reads, Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went in, went in to take charge of him, for they said he is out of his mind. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, he is possessed by Beelzebub, by the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. So Jesus called them over to him and began to speak to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, thy kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunge the strong man's house. Truly, I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins and even slander their utter. But whoever blasphemies against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of eternal sin. He said this because they were saying, he has not an impure spirit. Then Jesus, mothers and brothers arrived standing outside. They sent someone in to call him. A crowd was standing around him and they told him, your mother and brother are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and brother, he asked. Then he looked at those seated around the circle around him and he said, here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. The word of God for the people of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you this morning for allowing us to be here once again. Father, we thank you, Lord, for when we look back just over yesterday, God, and we realize, God, what you brought us to. Lord, we can't help but to say thank you, Lord. Father, when we realize, God, just over this past year, God, and, and so many lives have been taken away from us, so many people have been stricken with illness, God, we can't help but to look at our own life. And God, instead of spider, what we see, God, we are grateful. God, we just want to say thank you this morning. Thank you, God, for how you kept us, God. Thank you, God, for how you continue to pour out your spirit upon us. Thank you, Lord, for how you show yourself mightily in our lives, God, day in and day out. God, we can't help but to give you glory.
glory this morning, God. In spite of how we may be feeling this morning, God, we know, God, that you are a healer, God. In spite of what the enemy is playing in our minds right now, God, we know, God, that you are a comforter, God. So, Lord, on this day, God, we invite you to have your way, God, within us, God. Shake us up, God. Mold us, God. Do what you need to do in our hearts this morning, God. Oh, God, we pause, God. We pause and we say, Lord, have your way, God. Have your way, God. Pour out your spirit this morning, God, like never before, God. In this vineyard called St. Paul, God. Oh, God, we thank you this morning, God. Oh, God, we give you glory this morning, God. Oh, God, we shout hallelujah. For, Lord, you are worthy, God. Lord, you are worthy, God. Lord, you are worthy, God. And we say thank you this morning, God. Have your way, God, in this place, God. Have your way, God, in our hearts this morning, God. Have your way, God. Mold us. Shape us after your will, God. This is our prayer, Lord. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Bless the Lord and forget not all.
bless the Lord at all times. Amen. We can bless him at all times. We can be thankful for what the wonderful things and how wonderful he is um, in our lives. Man. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, guys, uh, for that beautiful blessing. And uh, I pray uh, that you are worshiping strong and spirit and in truth with us this morning. Uh, let me go ahead and say welcome uh, to all of you that are joining with us um, online and uh, in this uh, beautiful service this morning. This is the part of our service uh, we like to call our impact moment where I, Reverend Peyton C., uh, the children youth pastor here at St. Paul, get to speak to our kids uh, for a little bit um, about, man, what God has placed on my heart for us to learn today. And so I pray that this would be for them, but also for the kids at heart. So I encourage everyone to listen here. And uh, while I have your attention, I just I also want to say that I'm looking forward to Children's Sunday uh, next week on June 13th. Uh, I will be preaching and um, get to uh, take part in service with some of our kids. Uh, also, man, I'm excited to see everybody on that drive through celebration that we will have afterwards uh, that Sherelle and the team at ARM have uh, uh, faithfully and thoughtfully prepared for us. So I'm very excited to see um, what God will do through that and to see some of our kids' faces because, man, I miss you guys a lot and I love you all very much. Man, so that brings me to today's message, guys. Today's message uh, has the title this. It is, it is called Division Leads to Destruction. Division Leads to Destruction. And our memory verse today comes from Mark. Uh, I'll be reading from chapter 3, verses 24 through 25, which actually was part of the scripture that Reverend Bernie read earlier today. And I'll be reading from the New International Version, guys. And the New International Version says this. Verses 24 and 25. If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Our bottom line for today is this. We should come together under Christ. We should come together under Christ. My question for you guys this morning is how many of you all have played sports or have been a part of a team? See, when I, was, when I was in my junior year of high school, um, I played second base and I played shortstop on my school's varsity baseball team. At the beginning of our season that year, we all gathered in the locker room. And uh, one, when we uh, gathered in the locker room before one of our first practices, one of our coaches uh, handed us all an index card. And on this index card, he wanted us to write down any goals that we had hoped for, to, we had hoped to achieve in the upcoming season. I wrote down mine, and my goal was to hit for a higher batting average, or to put it in uh, to put it in plain terms, to get more hits in the season. Our character coach he collected my card and everyone else's. Now, after collecting the cards, our coaches looked at them all together before they spoke to the whole team. Our coaches determined that there was one main truth that stuck out to them from these cards. Our goals were more focused on ourselves and what we wanted to achieve as individuals. None of us wrote down any team goals. I wish I could say that this small but meaningful exercise that, that we had ended up transforming our entire team and we ended up going on to win the state championship. But I would be lying to you as your youth pastor. You see, we fell apart that season, guys. There was a lot of team drama. There were players fighting with other players. There were players arguing with coaches. Even though we had all the talent and skill to be great, we weren't willing to sacrifice our selfish egos to be better as a team. Our selfishness divided and destroyed us, and I can honestly say it was probably one of the worst teams that I've ever been a part of. 
We won six games that year and we lost 11. That's right, 11, 11 games, six and 11. It's not great. Have you ever been a part of a team like that, guys? One that was destroyed by division and against each other because certain players or certain parts of the team thought that they mattered more than the team as a whole. Even if you haven't, the sad truth is that there are even times in the church where we can be so selfish and so divided as Christians that, man, we end up facing destruction. That's right, guys. Even in church, we can end up hurting what God is trying to do in and through his people. God wants to share his love with the world. And the last thing that we should be as his children is divided. Division happens when we let our egos get in the way like my team did. Or when we fail to support a fellow Christian because we are jealous of them and what God is doing in and through them. Division happens when we don't believe that God can use the people we think are beyond saving or using. If we let division into our church family, we won't be as successful in the mission that God has called us to. And that's to share his love with the world. And this is why, guys, our bottom line for today is that we should come together under Christ. You see, in our passage for today, word had already started to spread about Jesus and how special he was. Crowds started to follow Jesus everywhere he went because these crowds could normally expect something amazing to happen. There'd be sick people who would come to Jesus to be healed, and they were. Then there'd be others who had evil spirits inside of them that would come to see Jesus, hoping that he would cast out these evil spirits and restore them to their, their life. And he did. He gave them their life back. All of this is awesome stuff, right? At least it should be. Jesus healing people and overcoming evil spirits are both examples of miracle work that only God can do. However, there were some people, including members of Jesus's own family, who didn't believe that Jesus doing these awesome acts was God's doing. Jesus's own family thought he was crazy. Then religious teachers in Jesus's day who taught and lived according to scripture, they accused Jesus of doing all of these things and being able to do his healing work only because Satan was giving him the power to do so. Can you imagine that? Satan working with the son of God. I don't think so. They accused God's son of being evil and possessed by him. Personally, guys and girls, if I were Jesus, I would be so mad at my family and these religious teachers, I'd probably get pretty defensive. I'd get real defensive and I'd probably end up saying something that I'd regret, but not Jesus because he responds more perfectly than your youth pastor. He responded so wisely by asking the religious people how it could be possible that he was casting out evil spirits if he was an evil spirit himself. How does that make sense? Satan wouldn't want to destroy and divide his own kingdom. According to Jesus in our verses of the day, if a kingdom, a house of people, a sports team even that your youth pastor takes as an interpretation, if a family is divided against itself, Jesus says it will not stand. It will not do well. This is where our lesson of the day comes, guys. As Christians, we've got to come together and believe that we are all fighting for a common cause. We're all followers of Jesus trying to become more and more like him as we share his love with everyone that we meet. The last thing we need to be is divided. And Satan, he loves, he loves to cause division among us. He wants to keep us from fulfilling the purpose that God has called us to in order to help in his kingdom. 
So guys, we shouldn't tear each other down or negatively talk about each other, uh, uh, negatively talk about other Christians, other believers that are a part of God's family with us. Before we reach for hate, let's try and remember, guys, that we are united and that we are standing for Jesus together. The one who has defeated evil and he's left Satan powerless himself. Satan can do nothing, absolutely nothing to stop us from preaching, teaching, and sharing God's love with the rest of the world. And we should come together under Christ. Will you bow your heads and close with me in prayer this morning? Dear Lord, I want to thank you so much, God, for the many wonderful things that you have done through us because of your son, Jesus. You use imperfect people, God, and sometimes we can fight and we can cause division, God, in this beautiful family that you have called us into. But God, I pray that we would reach for love instead of hate, especially when we think that we are all together in this fight, God, to share your love with the rest of the world. You have overcome it all, God, so that we could be able to love and to treat others with the kindness and respect and the grace that you have shown us. Help us to live like your son did, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you so much, guys. Come on, let's give God praise and thank you, Reverend Peyton C., for your your message to our youth and children. Uh, I greet you with Jesus' joy this morning, and we thank God for all that is taking place here uh, at St. Paul Baptist Church. And as we move forward on uh, this communion Sunday, it is hard to believe we have been doing this type of worship for almost 16 months now. And I want to commend all of those who continue to roll with us as far as this work is concerned. Uh, from our music ministry, from our deacons ministry, the board of directors, and all of you uh, that play an important role, our media team. Thank you all so much for the work that you continue to do. I want to just give a major shout out to um, uh, several of our leaders. Uh, first of all, to our social justice ministry and uh, Reverend uh, D'Angelo Dia. Well, thank you, because as part of that ministry to provide resources for our incarcerated siblings, we have now established a partnership which is allowing for us to be simulcast as far as our worship services is concerned to our brothers and sisters that are housed at the Mecklenburg County Detention Center. And let's give God praise for that. Amen. We have the potential of reaching almost 1,500 of our brothers and sisters who will eventually come home for a fresh start and continue to be uh, productive citizens. And we want to welcome them uh, to the St. Paul Church online. And so as part of that, through our community engagement and social justice ministry, uh, community engagement headed by uh, Reverend James Burney and social ministry headed by D'Angelo Dia, we're going to uh, help our brothers and sisters who will be coming back as far as reentry into society. So we're collecting items uh, that they're going to need when they come out of uh, the detention center. So on June the 19th from 10 o'clock to 12 p.m., we'll be collecting items through uh, drive-by, drop-off here at the church. The items will be given to the sheriff department for distribution. And so join us in bringing the following items for both males and females. Soap, 
deodorant, underclothes, that's all sizes, towels, bath cloths. Okay, let me repeat that again. Soap, deodorant, underclothes, all sizes, towels, bath cloths. If you're unable to drop off the items on this date, would you just drop them off during the church office hours? And for uh, additional information, contact either Reverend Bernie or Reverend Dia, uh, and they will let you know what else is needed. Also on uh, next Sunday, uh, between the hours of 1 and 3, the Academic Resource Ministry will sponsor an end of the school year drive through to celebrate all of our pre-K through 11th graders, all of those who have been promoted. We want to celebrate and cheer you on because this has been a very challenging year and we want to thank God for you. So they're going to have some goodies for you. So on next Sunday between the hours of 1 and 3, uh, drive by the church, uh, Sister Sherelle, Dr. Sherelle Fuller and her crew will have something special for you. And then uh, on the fourth Sunday, on the fourth Sunday, we're going to have graduate recognition worship. Uh, our guest preacher for that Sunday is going to be the Reverend Dr. Brianna K. Parker, the CEO and founding curator of Black Millennial Cafe. For those who register, we will send our invitations for you to attend worship in person on Sunday, June the 27th with your immediate family household and you'll be prompted to register Monday after Father's Day through an email that you listed in your graduation uh, recognition form. Also, we have a um, book club that will be taking place. Debt Free Life Group will gather and learn to discuss behavior tools and scriptures that will help us to identify our financial vulnerabilities and break free from debt. This will be an interactive Bible study so that you can become better servants for God and God's people. The facilitator is going to be Minister Erica Minor. The dates are going to be June 15th through July 20th on Tuesday evenings from 6.30 to 8 o'clock p.m. And you can register by going to our website. And also we have a financial fitness for college age individuals. If you're in high school or a high school graduate, college student or a recent college graduate, who desires to live a prosperous, debt-free life. We have just what you need to achieve this goal. It's called the Debt-Free Life Group. It's hosting to be young, gifted, and debt-free. Financial Fitness, a five-week course for college-age individuals. The facilitator is Sister Briella Nelson. The dates are June the 8th, starting this week through July the 6th on Tuesday evenings from 6.30 to 7.30. The cost is $10.00 for your study materials. You can, you can register by going to our website, looking under the small group tab, uh, and check that out. Also, just want to let you all know that our media ministry is continuing to grow, and we need other persons that can help us as far as that's concerned. So if you're interested in being a part of our media ministry, I want you to contact uh, Sister Camise Noel at Camise, C-A-M-E-S-E dot N-O-E-L at yahoo.com to get further information as far as that is concerned. As we move forward in our worship experience, I want to inform you all of some prayer concerns that we want to lift up. We have some of our brothers and sisters who have lost loved ones, and we want to bombard heaven as far as their concerns. Uh, the family of Brother Charles Davis, he is the brother of Disciple Betty Oates. Services are pending. Uh, his final arrangements. And we want to lift up the family of Brother Curtis Woods. He is the brother of Reginald Woods. And uh, those services will 
take place this Wednesday, June the 9th at Greer Funeral Home. Visitation at 1030 and the services will be at 11 o'clock. We want to continue to lift up the family of Sister Maddie Terry, Terry Evans, the mother of Disciple Mary Evans Campbell. We want to lift up the family of Sister Pearl Carlos, the grandmother of Brother Terrence Minor, the family of uh, Sister Jeffner DeSager, um, Brother Jeffner DeSager, the brother of Disciple Robin Terry, and the family of Sister Aggie uh, Eves, the brother uh, um, the family of Sister Aggie Eves, uh, connected to uh, Deacon James Johnson. We want to lift her up as well. That was his sister. And, of course, uh, her funeral uh, had taken place uh, a couple of weeks ago. As far as those that have been hospitalized or dealing with uh, significant illness, we want to lift up Sister Eloise Alexander, one of our deacons in training, who had surgery last week. We want to flank her with our prayers. Sister Jean Pettis-Dean, we want to continue to lift up our pastor emeritus, Dr. Paul Drummond, and his wife, Sister Thomasina. We want to continue to lift up Brother Philip Dunstan and Brother Anthony Farr and Brother Adrian Amos. And, of course, you will see names that are scrolling up and down as far as our sick and shut-in list. And, of course, we want to continue to lift up Deacon Jacqueline Brown, who had a mild stroke uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we want to flank heaven with those prayer concerns. I'm going to ask that um, Reverend James Burney will come and he will take us to the throne of grace in prayer as we sense and seek what God is going to do as far as these prayer concerns we bring. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father, we pause at this time, Lord, to ask for your intervention. Father, you know all the ones that are on the sick list, the ones that are experiencing bereavement. God, you know them well, God. In fact, God, you've been with them even in the midst of their trials. So, Lord, we pray on this morning, God, that you will reassure them. Reassure them that, God, that even in difficult times, Lord, you are still present. Reassure them, God, that you have not left their side. Reassure them, God, that you're still providing comfort. You're still providing healing, God, in the midst of difficult situations, God. Oh, Father, we pray right now, Lord God. Lord, that you would dispatch your angels, God, that will provide comfort to them, God. God, that will protect them, God. That will let them know, God, that even in the storm, God, you have not left them, God. Oh, Father, we pray, God. Lord, that you would just remind them and their families, God, that you are very well there, God. Oh, Father, we pray, God, for all the things that are happening all around us, God. We pray, God, for those that are homeless, God. We pray, for God, for those that are incarcerated, God. We pray, God, that you even remind them, God, that, Lord, you have not left their side, God. Oh, Father, we pray, God, to help us to be a beacon of light, God, for those who are lost hope, God. Help us to be a beacon of light, God, for those, God, that don't know how they're going to figure things, God. Help us, God. Help us to help them, God, in so many ways, God. Oh, God, we ask, God, in the name of Jesus, God, that whatever has us with a broken spirit this morning, God, whatever have us troubled this morning, God, whatever have us weighted down this morning, God, oh, God, we pray, God, that you will lift us up, God. Help us to hold our hands high, stick our chest out, knowing, God, that you're right there, knowing, God, that you're going to work it out. Oh, Father, we pray, God, Lord, that you will speak through difficult situations, God, 
sickness gone. Speak to incarceration gone. Speak to homelessness gone. And remind us, God, that you're still in control, Lord God. We thank you for being in control. We thank you, God, for having our backs, God. We thank you, God, for lifting our heads, God. We thank you, God, for reminding us of who you are, God. Thank you on this morning, God. Have your way, God, in our lives, God. We thank you, and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Amen. If you feel that God is answering that prayer, can you give God praise right now? I don't know about anybody else, but we want to bombard heaven on behalf of our brothers and sisters and let them know they're not going through what they're going through by themselves. Amen. 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 Beloved, it is time for us. It is time for us to partner with God through the act of giving, which is an integral part of worship. And here at the St. Paul Church, there are three ways in which you can give. The first one is by either uh, sending check or mail, a check or money order rather, to the church. And you can mail that to the church here at 1401 Allen Street, uh, Charlotte, uh, North Carolina, 28205. Or you can drop off check, cash, or money order here at the church. Just call the church to make sure that someone is here to receive it at 704-334-5309. Another way that you can give right now is through our website, uh, either ACS or Church Life. You can give through that mode. And then finally, you can give through the app called Givelify. If you don't have that app on your smart device, download that app to your smart device. Search for St. Paul Baptist Church, Charlotte, North Carolina. Connect to your favorite credit card, and in three clicks, you can give. So what I want you to do right now, however you're giving, uh, however you're giving, if you would take your gift and if you would lift it toward the heavens with your right hand, if you're able, we want to give God what's right, not what's left. Amen. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come and we thank you for how you continue to prove yourself over and over and over again. And as we lift up our offering to you, oh God, we pray that you will bless it in a Godful way. Blessing in such a way that we can continue to do mission and ministry, that we can continue to take care of uh, the needs inside the church as well as outside the church, that we can continue to, oh God, be a bright light shining in a dark and sinful world. Take these gifts of ours, oh God, and get glory out of it. It is in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray, and in his name we claim it done. Amen. Amen. If you will go ahead and give at this time, thank you all so much for your gift and your generosity. And may God bless it in a Godful way.
It is my prayer that what we're feeling here in the sanctuary, you're feeling out there in virtual space. Whatever it is, whatever it is. I want to continue for the time that it's mine. Uh, to continue to preach from this series thought, sticking with God. And I want to call your attention again to uh, Psalm 138. I will read it in its entirety. However, this morning, I'm going to read it instead of from the New King James Version. I'm going to read it from the Message Translation. And uh, it reads something like this, Psalm 138. Thank you. Everything in me says, thank you. Angels listen as I sing my thanks. I kneel in worship facing your holy temple and say it again, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your faithfulness. Most holy is your name. Most holy is your word. The moment I call out, you step in. You made my life large with strength. When they hear what you have to say, God, all the earth's kings will say thank you. They will sing of what you've done. How great the glory of God. And here is why. God high above sees far below, no matter the distance, he knows everything about us. When I walk into the thick of trouble, keep me alive in the angry turmoil. With one hand, strike my foes. With your other hand, save me. Finish what you started in me, God. Your love is eternal. Don't quit on me now. I want to talk about there is nothing like the church. There is nothing like the church. There are some who feel in today's culture that the church does not have any relevance or meaning. In fact, the level of disrespect, the disdain for religion, the blatant guard toward Christians are signs that we live in a postmodern, post-Christian, and post-religious age. The globalization of the marketplace and access to information like never before has spurned a generation claiming to love Jesus but hate the church. There is an erroneous assumption that you can have a vital viable and vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ without being a part of the local church. But I want to let you know that this is a trick of the enemy to keep you away from the very thing that God through Christ has created to inspire our daily living, hold us accountable, develop our discipleship and enhance our faith. However, we did not get here overnight. This has been years in the making because each succeeding generation placed less emphasis on corporate worship and more attention on our individualistic 
religious preferences to the point that we treat the church like it's Walmart, Sam's Club, Costco, or Target. In other words, uh, our gathering, be it physical or virtual, is no longer focused on God. It's no longer focused on worship. It's no longer focused on praising God, but more so it is focused on what we can get out of it to satisfy our selfish needs. There's been a falling away from the church. And this problem is how each generation has been shaped to view God, to view religion, and to view the church. So let me, if I could, just for a few moments, engage in a little sociology of religion. Those who were born before 1945 are considered to be part of what is called the greatest generation. This generation is called the builders. And those persons who were born before 1945, you survived the Great Depression. You survived World War II. Your worldview has been shaped by the economic disaster during the Depression and fighting wars and even dealing with segregation, particularly those that are of ebony hue. This, this is the generation of my grandparents and even great-grandparents who had a different perspective on the community and the church. This generation lived during a time when the community was valued, when the church had great significance. And if the truth be told, this generation primarily still supports the church today. They're known as the givers. They're known as the workers. They're, they know the tenets, the doctrines, the beliefs of the faith. This generation uh, dressed up to go to church. Blues and jazz, swing and bebop influenced this generation. And, and over 65% of this generation claims to have relationship with Jesus Christ. And they play an integral role in the church. Then you have those who were born between 1946 to 1964 who are known as the baby boomers. Uh, the boomers are those who came into their own when this country and the world was undergoing major cultural upheaval. The sexual revolution was coming on the scene. The civil rights era was in full display. Feminism was on the rise. Birth control was introduced, and the cultural tide of the family was beginning to shift. The boomers were shaped by rock and roll, R&B, and soul. You had Sam Cooke and Jackie Wilson on one side, and you had Elvis and the Beatles on the other side. This generation, my mother and father's generation, valued education, but they were the ones who began to look at the church differently. This was really when the falling away from the church started in earnest, with only 45% of them claiming to go to church and having faith in Jesus Christ. Then you had what is called the baby busters, and this is my generation. 
This is the generation that was born between 1965 to about 19, uh, from 1965 to about 1980 or 83, depending on who you believe. It, it, it was this generation that got caught up in what is called the paradigm shift from modernity to post-modernity. We were known as the latchkey kids because both of our parents were working. If we had both parents in the household, television in the home was relatively normal. We were impacted by integration. We were bused to schools. The sexual revolution had greatly impacted us. We were influenced by funk and heavy metal and hip hop. We took education for granted. This was the beginning of the dumbing down of America educationally. It was my generation that questioned authority. It was my generation that became suspicious of anyone in charge. We are the generation that had to deal with crack babies. We're the generation that had to deal with the onslaught of AIDS and HIV in the early 80s. We're the generation that began to embrace technology. We're the generation that began to question what is truth. And, and of this generation, only about maybe 30% of us claim a relationship with Jesus Christ and attend church virtually or physically with some sense of regularity. Then there are the Gen Xers, uh, better known as the Millennials, who were born between 1984 to 2002. And the seismic shift of the culture has dramatically impacted this generation. They embrace technology more readily than any other previous generation. They are savvier with the use of smartphones and computers. They, they know how to navigate the internet with ease. This generation, though, question everything and everybody. Their understanding of life is the pursuit of individualism and things. Google has become God. Safari has become the spirit. This generation has been greatly impacted by the de-evolution of hip-hop and rap. This generation does not believe in absolutes. Uh, there is no such thing as truth because they say you live your truth and I'll live my truth. No such thing as absolute truth, which allows for anything to become truth depending on how you feel that day. This generation is rather syncretistic when it comes to religion. Syncretistic basically means that they take a little bit of this and a little bit of that and put it together and they create their own religious expression. So this generation could take a little bit of Islam and a little bit of Buddhism and a little bit of Hinduism and a little bit of Christianity and create their own religion. And when it comes to relationship with Jesus, maybe only about 15% of this generation claim to have a walk with Christ. Then you have what is known as the Gen Zers from about 2003 to about 2015. This generation has never been without cell phones. This generation will socially, politically, culturally, educationally, and economically shape the culture for the next 20 years. Uh, they tend to be more pragmatic and practical. And, and only 9% of this generation goes to church. Now, what I just described, if you're still with me, are lenses 
through which we view and understand societal change, not labels to oversimplify the differences between each generation. In other words, you have some millennials who love Jesus, love the church. You have some Gen Zers who love Jesus, love church. So what I am doing is I am giving you what is called an overview, but I'm not telling you that you are to label each and every person based upon the descriptions in which I have shared. But I will say this, that it is my generation and the millennials who have had the most problem with church and Christianity. It it, it was my generation that said, I'm not going to raise my children like I was raised, made to go to church and look at what we have on our hands now. And now we're getting ready to enter the fourth generation of young people who have no exposure to the church. Religion, particularly Christianity, has no role in their upbringing and their formation. And and this is what we fail to understand. If you don't get anything else out of today's sermon, I want you to get this. We fail to understand and appreciate the biblical construct, train up a child when he or she is young, that when they get old, they will not depart from it. So so the establishment, check this out, of your religious preference does not take place in adulthood. It is formed in the pre-adolescent years. And this is where I'm getting ready to put some parents on blast. In other words, if you don't have your child in church as they are from little kids until about the age of 14 or 15, when they leave your house, they ain't coming back to church in today's society. The problem is that the boomer said, I ain't going to make my child go to church. So they didn't. So then my generation, the buster says, me and my kids don't need church. So they're not there. Now the millennials are saying, what is church? And as Dorothy said to Toto and the Wizard of Oz, we ain't in Kansas anymore. The church in today's culture has taken on less significance than any other time in human history as far as the existence of the church is concerned. And partly, we have failed to do a good job in transmitting the gospel and giving everybody something to do. Most churches aren't serious about children or youth or young adults. You don't even see young people doing anything in those churches, which is why I'm very intentional about trying to include young adults in the things we do here at the St. Paul Church. Not just singing in the choir, but also in leadership and helping us to develop certain things like Kaya and things of that sort. That's why we have someone like a Peyton C. and prior before him, James Bernie, that took our young people seriously as far as youth and children and ensured they had things to go. But they also need, watch this, Christian formation. So Some churches say, we want to grow But they have what I call cognitive dissonance. What is cognitive dissonance? Cognitive dissonance occurs when you experience discomfort because you're holding two conflicting views or beliefs. For example, if I could use this, cognitive dissonance is like the woman looking to get married to someone because she wants to be financially secure. 
but she's dating an economically unstable man who does not have a job and ain't looking for a job. That's cognitive dissonance. From, from a religious perspective, making a claim that we want the church to grow, but not doing the things to make the church grow creates cognitive dissonance. When people are selfish, got to have their way all the time, not committed to serving, you wind up having people who want a church benefits without commitment, which is similar to friends with benefits. You will catch that once you log off online. You, uh, 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 to exacerbate the situation even further, there are those who only want certain people in the church. Certain people who look like them, talk like them, think like them, act like them, walk like them, behave like them. There are some churches that, that, that don't want people who show up with dreads and have tattoos and tongue rings and nose rings and rings and other unmentionable parts of the body. You don't want folks in the church with braids and and, and things of that sort. Uh, uh, some churches don't even want to acknowledge that you have persons who are part of the LGBTQ orientation in their congregations. And you, you want the Huxtables in your church. You, you want the Cleavers, leave it to Beaver in your church. You'll take the Johnsons of Blackish. You, you might even tolerate the Evans of Good Times. But the problem is how society rarely allows for the Huxtables or the Johnsons to come into existence. So we wind up with a black version of the simple Simpsons and we don't even know how to operate when they show up. There was a time when the church was one of the most revered, respected, and reputable institutions in the community, particularly the black church. Even when a drunk person walked by the church, they would at least put their bottle down from their lips. But now, and I've seen it, <laughs> but now, when we were meeting in person, but now, they'll show up at the funeral, come to the repast in your fellowship hall, go outside, smoke a cigarette, have liquor in their red cups with their feet on the wall after eating the fried chicken and the greens uh, supported by church folks. Respect for the church has greatly diminished. Now, I know this sounds bad, this sounds cruel, this sounds tough, but I, 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 I'm a preacher of the gospel and being a preacher of the gospel, the gospel is good news. And I want you to know right now that despite what I've just shared, this is the greatest time to be part of the church. Because, because even when people don't think there's still a God, even when folks don't think the church is relevant, even if folks don't acknowledge God, if you were to take St. Paul out of this community, I bet you they'll miss it. I bet you they will see the absence of what we're not doing if we were not here in this community. So there's a reason that we come together as a community of believers. There's a purpose for us coming together as the family of God. There is something that brings us together Sunday after Sunday, be it physical or, or virtual, which you can't get 
when you go to your Mason or Easter Star meetings, which you can't get from your fraternities or sororities or from the social club. You can't get this at the bars. You can't get this from the gangs. You can't get this in your cliques. You can't get this in the Democratic Party or the Republican Party or the Tea Party or the Libertarian Party. You can't get this from lending institutions. You can't get this from governmental entities. There is something that brings us together, regardless of whether you're a builder, boomer, buster, gen X or gen Y or gen Z or gen alpha. And the older I get, Reverend Bernie, I become more and more appreciative of this thing called the church. The older I get, I am more and more appreciative of the St. Paul church. Why? Because uh, I like how St. Paul flow. Uh, I, I like the fact that we ain't got a whole lot of old folks uh, and we ain't got a whole lot of young folks. Uh, you got a whole lot of old folks uh, and no young folks. Your church is dying. You got a whole lot of young folks, but no old folks. You ain't got no wisdom. I'm glad to say that we are a multi-generational church and I'm trying to create space for everybody. There is something and I found this out about our Gen Zers. There is something to be said about tradition. There's something to be said about ritual. There's something to be said about customs. There's something to be said about structure. And we got to make the difference, beloved, between traditions and traditionalism. Traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. Traditions is the living faith of the dead. And I'm here to let you know that I ain't caught up in traditionalism, but God knows I am stuck to tradition. Can I let y'all know what some traditions are? Tradition basically says that Jesus Christ came down from heaven, died on a cross, rose from the grave. That's a tradition. I believe in the tradition that we should not forsake the assemblies of ourselves together. I believe in the tradition of communion. I believe in the tradition of of baptism. I believe in the tradition of the saints coming together. I believe in the tradition of us coming together and being there for one another. I still believe in some traditions. But I ain't caught up in what you wear to church. I'm not. Sisters, if you wear pants to church, I'm just glad you're in the house. I don't care if you have rings or tats or come in and braids or whatever. We'll get you in the house and teach you how you're supposed to be. I don't care about that stuff. I don't care if you're struggling with your sexual orientation. Just come to the church. All of us in here are struggling with something. I don't care about that. There's, there's something to be said. And this is why I love St. Paul. Something be said about us coming from various backgrounds. Something be said about gathering in a place, be it virtual or physical. Something about singing songs, hearing prayers, engaging in fellowship, even with your mask on. Reading scriptures and hearing a song and witnessing lives being changed. Uh... I'm glad to be in the service. One more time. Why? Because he didn't have to let me live. Uh, 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 I, I want to see God do something incredible. And, and that's why I get excited particularly about the St. 
Paul church because there's nothing about church. I, I get excited because we go across the chasm of generations and we got everything from Yale to jail in the church. Uh, we got different ethnicities. I have a white youth and children's pastor. That's unheard in most black churches. We got various financial makeups as far as our community is concerned. We got folks that's making six figures to folks that's making no figures. Uh, and we lift up our voices and praise and adoration and worship to our God. That, that's, what's, that's what's being reflected in this psalm that I drop on you this morning. That in Psalm 138, David is offering God praise for his loving kindness, uh, for answering his prayers. D David demonstrates, uh, I ain't got no shame about knowing God in my life. His reflection is based upon what God had done for him in the past. From the moment of being presented to him when he was being a shepherd boy to him becoming king of Israel. And, and even though David had to deal with issues in his family dynamic, David, the king, David, hear me, the king of Israel had no problem worshiping and praising God in the house. He, he had no problem as king of going to the sanctuary and lifting up his voice to praise. David, who had more money than all of us put together, was not ashamed to call upon the name of the Lord. And David knew that God was a keeper, God was a provider, God was a protector, and he had no issue of going to the temple and informing others about the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And as David blesses us with this powerful and rich psalm, I want to share some reasons uh, why there's nothing like the church. If you will allow for the spirit to stretch you this morning, uh, I, I want to affirm you to belong to a church. If you don't belong to a church, if you're listening to me online, if you don't belong to a church, We'll take you in virtually. You need to be part of a local congregation, a local community that helps you to grow and become what God will have for you to be. Uh, and, and I know there are hypocrites in the church, and, but, but you got hypocrites on your job and that don't keep you from going to work. You got hypocrites at the, in your family, but that don't keep you showing up at the family reunion wanting some potato salad and fried chicken. You, you got hypocrites as far as your fraternity or sorority is concerned, but that don't keep you from showing up at frat or sorority meeting. I want you to become part of something where God is working on all of us to become what God will have for you to be. Uh, if, you don't, if you don't like the church, my prayer is that the Lord will open up your eyes to understand that there is no such thing as a perfect church. That all of us are growing and becoming what God will have for us to be. But, but, but there is something to be said about us gathering collectively be it virtual or in-house. And God knows I can't wait for us to one day come back together. God knows I can't wait for us to be in the same place. But guess what? Even when we come back together in physical form, we're still going to be doing this virtual stuff. And yet I contend that God can move through a screen just like God can move in the house but ain't nothing like being in the house together but as we engage in church uh, the gathering the people the community what is it that God does when we come together 
I, I want to let you know that when I look at this text, I, I see a, a few things that, that first of all, uh, you're reminded of the faithfulness of God. Yeah, the, the, the faithfulness of God. We, we see that in verses 1 through 3. You, you, you see that David is lifting up words of Thanksgiving, and he is talking about this grace that God has demonstrated towards him and others around him. He, he is giving God praise for the mercy that God has extended to him. Let me see if I can help you. When you and I have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, uh, God at that moment establishes a covenant with us. God makes a promise with us. God is faithful to us. The, the, the understanding of covenant means that God is in relationship with you and me even when we don't act like we want to be in relationship with God. And, and in this place, in the church, among the saints, among the community of believers, we are reminded how much God loves us. We are reminded how faithful God is to us. We are reminded how God forgives us. We are reminded how merciful God is toward us. We are reminded the grace that God bestows upon us. David gives thanks in the face of, watch this, all the other false idol gods that Israel had the propensity to worship. He was giving the real God praise before all the other religions and demonic forces and people of the world. I want to let you know that if God takes the church out of the world, the world going to be in trouble. Uh, David acknowledges, listen, God is more than faithful. And it is the faithfulness of God that is connected to the promises, the covenant of God. And I believe that I'm talking to some folks that's watching me live stream on Facebook, on Zoom, on our website, that's listening to me on uh, the telephone, that's listening to me in the sanctuary, that's watching me on Zoom. I know I'm talking to at least four, y'all, I'll make five that know something about the faithfulness of God. It is the faithfulness of God that steadied you on the stormy seas of life. It is the faithfulness of God that alleviated the fears of uncertainty when it came to your health. It is the faithfulness of God that provided balance when bad news knocked you to the ground. It is the faithfulness of God that picked you up when you've been knocked down over and over again. It is the faithfulness of God that reminds you you are forgiven when you're messed up. It is the faithfulness of God that lets you know I love you despite the mistakes you have made. I don't know who I'm talking to but I believe I got a few of you all that ain't afraid to testify. Had it not been for his faithfulness, ain't no telling where I would be right now. So you got to do like the songwriter said, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. We are reminded as we gather together as the people of God, as the church of the faithfulness of God. But also, there's something else that I want to pull from this text. It is that when we gather as a people, as a church, when we gather to worship, we're reminded of the sovereignty of God. Uh, not only will God keep his promise, but God has the power woo, to bring his promise to pass. We see this in verses 4 through 6. This is profound because there are people who are in some powerful positions who are under the erroneous assumption that they run things. And they will use their perceived power 
to oppress people they don't like. Some will create disturbances in life because they think they're in charge. But, but we need to be reminded that this is God's world. <laughs> and, and for those who don't think so, j- just keep on living. Just keep on getting up saying good morning. Because one day, soon and very soon, God will show up. And God will show God's self strong. God knows particularly for those Christians who are of ebony hue. The only reason that we stay with this Jesus thing is because of Jesus. <laughs> I, I think I just said something. You missed your cue shout or your shout cue rather. The only reason that we remain a Christian is not because of how white Christians treated us in America. It is because we understood what Christianity was meant to be before it was corrupted by folks who tried to subjugate us to slavery and oppression. Preach Robert Charles Scott. When you are dealing with, when you're dealing with an obstructionist Congress that don't want to pair, that don't want to pass a fair policing bill, when you're dealing with folks who claim to love God but won't even set up a commission to investigate what happened on January the 6th but claim that blue lives matter, they, they are lying from the gut of their soul. It's all political. When, when, when you have a former president who still continues to perpetuate the big lie that he lost, uh, that he won the election when he really lost by more than 6 million votes and don't get me twisted because guess what? I'll critique the Democrats as well. Uh, Biden and his crew still got some things they need to do, particularly by black folks because had it not been for us, he wouldn't be in office right now. You got to deal, got to deal with school system, got to deal with school system where our children are not getting everything they need. You got to deal with the prison industrial complex that, that will build prisons based upon uh, the test scores of black boys in the fourth grade. You better know that God is still sovereign. You need to know that God is still sovereign. Uh, what keeps me going is the knowledge that one of these days, those who are in power are going to have to bow down to the one who has all power. Uh, That's what Paul meant when he said that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess uh, that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But the sovereignty of God is connected to God's willingness and capacity to help those who are struggling and who are suffering. God incorporates what I call the lowly into his kingdom because in their brokenness, they are closer to God than those who are proud and think they know it all. God is great enough for kings and queens. God is great enough for the lowly and for the poor and oppressed. And this is what I love about the sovereignty sovereignty of God because when we look around the globe we 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 see people who think they are in charge but we know we can appeal to a higher power 
Putin thinks he's in charge, but, but we can appeal to a higher power. Uh, the president of China thinks he's in charge, but we can appeal to a higher power. Uh, the chancellor of Germany thinks she's in charge, but we can appeal to a higher power. The prime minister of Great Britain thinks he's in charge, but we can appeal to a higher power. The president of the United States thinks he's in charge, but we can appeal to a higher power. The governor thinks he's in charge, but we can appeal to a higher power. The mayor thinks she's in charge, but we can appeal to a higher power. I'm here to let you know the God we serve doesn't have just a little power. The God we serve doesn't just have some power. The God we serve just does not have three-fourth power. The God we serve has all absolute power. And can I bless somebody quick, fast, and in a hurry? God supersedes the president, but he hangs out with the poor. God is more powerful than kings and queens, but he keeps company with the meek and the humble. God is better than your congressperson, but he shows favor to those that are oppressed. God is richer than uh, uh, Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos, but he supplies our need according to his riches and glory. God is stronger than the biggest and mightiest army, but he is a tender shepherd who cares for his sheep. And so you can bow down to other world power but I'm here to let you know I'm going to bow down to the name that is above every name and I don't know about anybody else but I'm glad that I can testify that one of these days all of them shall bow down to the same God that you and I have been bowing down to and I want to bless somebody quick, fast and in a hurry you ought to beat other folks bowing down because the longer you stay down the quicker God will get you up am I talking to anybody in here they ain't afraid to testify yeah Y'all can have Biden. Yes, you can have Kamala Harris. Yes, you can have Cooper. Yes, you can have Mayor Bailaos. But give me Jesus, the Alpha and the Omega. Give me Jesus, the first and the last. Give me Jesus, the resurrection and the life. Give me Jesus, the great I am. Give me Jesus, bread of heaven. Give me Jesus, water in dry places. Give me Jesus, a shelter in the time of storm. Give me Jesus, the crucified and resurrected one. Give me Jesus, the ascended one. Give me Jesus, the soon coming back king. Give me Jesus because his name is above every name. Am I talking to anybody in here that know that at the name of Jesus? Demons quake at the name of Jesus. The devil has to flee at the name of Jesus. The sick can get up at the name of Jesus. The dead can rise at the name of Jesus. Bright light is shine at the name of Jesus. The darkness dissipates at the name of Jesus. You have everything that you need. Let me... Let me, let me get out of here because I got caught up. <sighs> I got caught up. Uh, I got caught up. Uh, 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 I come to church to witness the faithfulness of God. Be reminded of his faithfulness. I, I come to church. To be reminded of the sovereignty of God, the, the power of God. But hallelujah. I also come to church to be reminded of the providence of God. Providence. Providence. That's, that's a big $10 seminary word. That basically means that God will take care of you. Uh, uh, that the word providence has as its root provide. Uh, uh. Uh, God will 
take care of you. And, 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 and just read the text. Um, whether you were born in the greatest generation before 1946 or if you're being born right now, <laughs> you will see the providence of God. Uh, how, how does God provide for me? Here is the shout for somebody. I know it's a shout for me, Dr. Sherelle. Here's the shout. That God provides for us by taking care of our enemies for us. That, that God provides for us by starting, by finishing what God has started in us. Preach, Robert Chaska. God, God provides for us by giving us what we need, uh, when we need it, and, and, and how we need it. Uh, 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 uh. This is what is called the providential protection of God. And, and the concept of providence means that God will provide. Folks of old, you say, he may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. Uh, uh, the folks of old, you say that the Lord will make a way somehow. Uh, so the idea of God being providential means that the Lord will provide. Uh, and, and the idea of God providing means that God will also protect. So God is a providing keeper and a keeping provider. <laughs> God, God, God is to be worshipped. Because God continues to renew us with God's strength and God's courage. And, and God is to be worshipped because God continues to deliver us from our enemies. As a matter of fact, uh, if you hang out with God long enough, God will expose folks to you that don't like you. And they don't even know you in the midst of them. And they talking about you. And you can see it for yourself and you ain't got to say a word. Preach Robert Charles Scott. That's, that's how God is, is able to, to, to provide. And, 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 and it means that your enemy can't destroy you. <laughs> God, I feel like hollering. Your, your enemy can't kill you. Uh, your, your, your enemy can't get the best of you. Um, um, I, I know I'm talking to uh, some young adults and some youth and children who, who you, 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 you're going to get this one day if you don't get it right now. Here it is. Everybody on Instagram, on Facebook, on your Twitter feed, ain't your friend. your business out there for public consumption and they will use it as fodder to try to take you out. Got to be careful about stuff you put in social media because everybody ain't your friend. Everybody, everybody you text uh, ain't your friend. Uh, everybody you got saved in your phone. Am I talking good? 
they, 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 they're not your friend. Uh, 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 you, you, you even got to understand that, 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 that every TikTok video ain't worth your time. Uh, everything that you glean on social media uh, ain't worth your resource. Um, you, you got some emotional hackers and some spiritual hackers that would try to bring you down. And, and if you're not careful, I believe that Peyton can help me to attest to this, that, that you have bullies that will engage in cyberbullying. And, and through cyberbullying, they have caused some of our young people to commit suicide and some of our children to think about taking their lives and everything that you see online ain't meant to be taken into your mind and your spirit you got to have the providence of God to cover you and to keep you when you cannot keep yourself uh, but the providential protection of God is to preserve you mm-hmm, uh, for life and, and, and I've discovered I've lived long enough to testify that if you hook up with the people of God, if, if you connect to the house of God, if you show up at the Lord's house, if you take the teachings and the preaching and apply it to your life, you will see God keep you when others try to kill you. You, you, you will see God sustain you. When others try to sucker you. Why? Because the God we serve has a plan for your life. That's why Paul wrote in Philippians 1 and 6. Be confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Um, y'all got to excuse me, but my Mississippi trying to slip out. <laughs> and, 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 and I know that, that, that there's some folks who feel like I don't need to be doing all that hollering and hooping and stuff, but it's, it's just in me. Uh, uh, yeah, it, just me being who I am. But, 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 but I've discovered that uh, there can be no good work in an imperfect you without an imperfect Jesus saving you. <laughs> in other words, uh, you're not going to get that anywhere else. You need to come among the people of God and come among the house of God and let the folks of God pour into you and remind you that regardless of what other folks say, please be patient with me because God ain't through with me yet. Uh, I believe that I'm talking to a few folks online and uh, I believe that I got a few folks in the church house that can testify to the fact that God ain't through with you yet. And since the Lord ain't through with you yet, you need to go ahead and give God praise because I am not the standard. And your mama and your daddy, they are not the standard. Uh, a deacon and a preacher, they are not the standard. Somebody being part of the church for a long, long time, they are not the standard. Uh, but there is one who came with dyed garments from Basra. And there is one whose feet uh, have trotted the wine press. Uh, 
and there is one who came down through 40 and two generations that is the standard for all of us and I'm glad to know yeah that Jesus is the standard but the bad thing about Jesus being the standard is that I can never measure up to Jesus because I am a sinner in need of a savior the bad thing about looking at Jesus as the standard is every time I try to do what Jesus did I fall short and I become frustrated every time I look at Jesus I become disappointed because I know I don't measure up but do I have anybody that knows in the house uh, that that's all right because the God we serve the God we praise the God we worship grades on a curve and if he didn't grade on a curve none of us would be here right now somebody out there watching me on live stream need to give God praise because Jesus sets the standard of doing it 100% every time and you and I are always flunking but when God accepts us I'm feeling good right now he grades on a curve and the reason he grades on a curve is because when God looks at us that's always flunking and he looks at Jesus that's always passing he grades us by the standard of his son and so I don't know about you you can have what the world has to offer but give me Jesus and the reason I'm sticking with Jesus is because Jesus is absolute Jesus is certain Jesus is God in the human flesh and I'm going to stick with Jesus because he is certain his word is so sure his reach is so long his grace is so certain his forgiveness is so gracious his power is so great his help is so strong his protection is so fierce his heart is so merciful his hand is so mighty his being is so eternal his purpose is so awesome his healing is so complete his cross is so bloody his death is so finite his resurrection is so true his salvation is so whole his light is so bright his love is so pure so every time I show up at church I'm reminded of the things of Jesus when the world is throwing everything at you including the kitchen sink you ought to show up at church plug in online and get what the Lord has for you for I'm reminded through the call of worship that the Lord is in his holy temple let all the earth be silent before him I'm reminded through the scripture reading that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof the world and day that dwell therein I'm reminded through the invocation that the Lord enthrones himself among the praises of 
of his people. I'm reminded through the hymn, great is your faithfulness. Oh God, my father, there is no shadow of turning to thee. I'm reminded through the fellowship that we will always should come together. I'm reminded through announcements that God has a lot of work for us to do. I'm reminded through the children's sermon that God says, don't forsake the young children and forbid them to come unto me for such is the kingdom of heaven. I'm reminded through the offering that we are blessed to be a blessing. I'm reminded through the altar prayer that God will meet us according to our need. I'm reminded through the sermonic selection that God is able to bless us. And I'm glad to be in the service one more time. I'm reminded through the sermon that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I'm reminded through the invitation that God wants you to hook up with God. And I'm reminded through the benediction now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with all exceeding joy to God our Savior, to God our majesty, to God our Father, to God our Holy Ghost, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now, good God Almighty, both now and forever, amen, amen, amen. Now if you're not too afraid, if you're not too ashamed, even in your virtual space, lift up your hands, throw back your head, open up your mouth, give God a praise because of his faithfulness, give God a praise because of his sovereignty, give God a praise because of his providence, glorify him, magnify him, adore him, worship him, praise him, hallelujah. Hallelujah! Hallelujah!
I just got caught up. <laughs> I wanna, I wanna offer to anyone that's listening to us right now an opportunity, regardless of where you are on your journey called life, an opportunity to know the God I just preached about, the faithful, sovereign, providential God. Who wants to be in relationship with you? And we as Christians, we as believers, understand that happens by confessing your faith in God through Christ. I want to lead you in a short prayer, a prayer of new life, a prayer of brand new start. And if this prayer connects with you, if this prayer fits you, I want to let you know what next steps are to sealing the deal. To sealing the deal. So wherever you are right now, be it on our virtual platforms or even in the house, if you would re repeat this, this prayer after me and, uh, um, and we'll let you know what next steps are. Repeat this prayer after me. God, I believe. You sent Jesus to die for my sins. I want relationship with you. And I believe that Jesus died for my sins on a cross. I believe that three days after his death, you raised him from the dead. I believe one day he's going to come back. But until then, I want your Holy Spirit in my life. God, please forgive me of my sins. Help me be the person you want me to be. I got issues. I fall short. But thank you for your forgiveness. In the name of your son, Jesus, I pray this prayer. Amen. Hey, listen, if you prayed that prayer for real, you meant that prayer, guess what? You're saved. Is it that easy? Yeah. If you meant the prayer in your head and your heart, if you meant that prayer sincerely, you're saved. It's, it's really that easy. It's really that easy. But you need to seal the deal. How do I seal the deal? But guess what? If you've never been baptized, you need to get baptized. Baptism is like a ring. It's a sign to the world that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if you want to be baptized, I want to invite you to email us at connect.spbcnc.org. Let us know you want to be baptized. Or either type in salvation in the chat box on Facebook or on our website. When our digital ministers will reach out to you and let you know what the next steps are. Or contact us. Um, if you're listening to us on telephone, contact us at the office at 704-334-5309 and leave your name and phone number or email us at connect.spbcnc.org. And someone by 5 o'clock tomorrow, 5 o'clock tomorrow, by 5 o'clock tomorrow, somebody will have returned your, your message. You may be saying, well, pastor, listen, I'm already saved. I know who Jesus Christ is, but I'm not connected to a church. But guess what? We would love for you to be part of the family here at St. Paul, the tribe here at St. Paul, the local fellowship here at St. Paul.
we're taking in people virtually and we'll let you know if you want to join us we'll let you know what next steps are uh, how to cement that deal and you can type in on Facebook or the website connect when our digital ministers or social media influencers will reach out to you and let you know what the next steps are if you're watching us on YouTube email us at connect spbcnc.org and say listen I want to join your church I want to become part of the tribe of St. Paul. I want to become part of the family of St. Paul. Someone will respond to you and let you know what the next steps are. You're listening to us on telephone. Email us at connect at spbcnc.org or call us at 704-334-5309. Leave your number or an email address that is working so that we can contact you and let you know what next steps are. We'd love for you to be part of our church family. We'd love for you to be part of the Fellowship of St. Paul. We'd love for you to be part of the tribe of St. Paul. Amen. Well, listen, we're getting ready to transition to communion. I'm going to ask that uh, uh, Deacon Stokes, they're in the house. They're going to help me with communion. So do me this favor, if you would, prepare your communion elements. Get your communion elements, get bread, cracker, grape juice. If you're using real wine, uh, get your wine. Uh, We want to prepare for the element uh, to carry out communion. And so if you were to go ahead and get your elements now. As we come and we carry out what is called the ordinance of communion. This is not something we take lightly. It's not superficial. Um, it is something we do in response to the command of Jesus Christ. So let us bow our heads for a word of prayer. God, we come to you right now and we say thank you for what Jesus did on the hill called Calvary. We come and we do not partake of this meal irreverently well with a sense of fear with a sense of reverence we come and we partake of this meal remembering what Jesus Christ did for us on a hill called Calvary he shed his blood he gave his body so that we could be reconciled unto you and we thank you for that 
Forgive us of our sins, O oh God. And let us come to this table, to this moment, with a sense of reverence and awe. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. It was on a faithful Thursday night when Jesus Christ was in the upper room with his disciples that he took the Jewish Passover meal and he transformed it into the meal of the church. He took a loaf of bread. He lifted it toward heaven. He blessed it and he broke it. Saying, take, eat. This is my body that shall be given for thee. Let us eat. Likewise, he took a common cup. He lifted it toward his father, gave thanks to God, and he said to his disciples, drink all of it, for this is the blood of the new covenant that is shed for the remissions of sin. Let us drink right now. Amen. For as often as we do this, we do it in remembrance of him. Amen. And as we prepare to leave from this space and this place, but never from his presence, I give you the benediction from the table. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory, with all exceeding joy, to the wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. And the people of God said, Amen. Listen, I love you. God loves you even more. Be safe. We're one day closer to coming back in. Trust me, we will be back in here sooner than you think. But until then, continue to pray for us and with us. Continue to wash your hands. Practice social distancing. Wear your mask. We're still in a pandemic, but we're much further alone now than we were last year this time. I love you. God loves you even more. Be safe. Have a blessed week. Amen. Are you just a little worried about stepping out on your own and managing your personal finances? I mean, you don't learn these things in school. You don't really learn the tools and tactics on how to become, how to build wealth and, you know, stay out of debt anywhere else. But here at St. Paul, we are offering Financial Peace University for college-age students who would like to learn about how to manage their finances in college or out of college, even if you didn't go to college, but you are college age and you just want to learn about personal finances, join me next Tuesday and every Tuesday for the next five weeks right here, virtually in my home, in your home. <laughs> and um, we will talk about some things and give you some tools and tactics just to help you manage and um, understand your personal finances a lot better. So Go to the church Facebook page or the church website and register. It's only $10. See you Tuesday.